Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press movie podcast, retrospective, shenanigans, nonsense. We're here talking Batman stuff. We're all over the place, but luckily, we are here to talk about not another Tim Burton Batman movie, but a Joel Schumacher movie in Batman Forever, starring Val Kilmer, Diego Wade, Nicole Kidman. What? We're actually here to discuss a different film, as the audience knows, because they read the title. Oh. Oh, fuck, there's another one in there. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, 1993 animated superhero film. Featuring the DC Comics character Batman. Yes. Okay, full di- full disclosure. I did watch Batman Forever initially before uh, preparing for this episode. Even though Matt and I discussed, uh, like, oh yeah, we should do Mask of the Phantasm next. Because that's next in the chronological release order. And I, even after that conversation we had, I forgot. So I watched Batman Forever first. So I'm set for the next episode. And I rewatched Mask of the Phantasm yesterday, so... I should ask, in your research, did you find out that there was another theatrically released Batman animated film? Mask of the Phantasm? I mean, there's... What was the other one? Uh, it's one that I will tell you after the podcast, because we might have to veto it. Because <laughs> okay. it's not very good. I'm, I'm scared there's now. one that people were waiting for, for, I would say, about 20 years... And uh, it brought um, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill back. And has an unnecessarily uh, tacked-on prologue um, to a story that was... Oh! Yeah, oh, that one received a... Oh, my, a, oh my God! Limited, oh, I forgot! That made it to theaters! Yeah, a limited theatrical release. Um, but it is uh. so awful... <laughs> That you, you'd be shocked to know that a lot of people who worked on Mask of the Phantasm worked on it. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm is directed by Arid Radornsky mm-hmm. and Bruce Timm. Mm-hmm. Both, I believe... I know for sure Bruce Timm worked in the animated series. I believe Eric Radornsky also worked on the animated series. Is it Radornsky? I have a capacity? different name. Radomsky, excuse me. <laughs> I was wondering, like, um, there was the question of which one of us took the bad notes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's my writing. It's um, no, yeah, yes, um, it's no. They hand. both. I, yeah. I believe they both worked on the show. I know Bruce Tim did, but uh, I know all the writers so we, definitely worked on the animated series. Should we also mention a little bit of the animated series really quick? Just um, like the the art design and everything, because that's that is directly just this movie. Well, yeah, it's this is directly in continuity with the f- first few seasons of. Uh, the Batman animated series. Although that show is all over the place in terms of continuity. I believe yeah. Robin is in like the third episode and then he disappears for like 10 episodes. <laughs> so, um, and this movie does not feature Robin in any capacity. So they, they got him again yep. <laughs> after Batman returns. They just, they kicked they him out kicking Robin out, which, uh, whatever the animated one might've been the only time they could have done it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, I guess it's something we'll talk about as we go on. But in live action, it might be a little harder to pull off. 
But uh, just uh, but um, Batman the animated series just was came around right around the animation renaissance that happened um, at the beginning of the '90s. A lot of people always talk about uh, Disney because that's when Disney got back on its feet. But there was actually like a real big trickle down of animation coming back in the United States. As you know, most '80s cartoons, uh, which are very popular with the nostalgic crowd, are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, try sitting through an episode of fucking the original Transformers because <laughs> um, you can't because it's not good but around this time they someone said like hey let's actually put some money in the cartoons and we started getting stuff like Animaniacs uh, Tiny Toons which a lot of people who worked on Tiny Toons ended up jumping over to this Batman the Animated Series which was an animated show I believe it was originally released in primetime um, it was like a, it was a huge deal when it dropped, uh, and they were going, uh, they were basing the style on it on like a darker version of the Fleischer Brothers Superman cartoons from the forties, which you haven't seen. If you haven't seen those, check them out. But this show kind of came back, and it kind of it defined Batman for a whole generation of kids, including myself. And it would also launch what what could be considered one of the most popular. Or at least um, critically popular uh, cinematic universes in the animated world. Yes, the uh, the animated. Some people call it the Timiverse because Bruce Tim worked on a lot of it. I'm not sure if that works, but uh, <laughs> now this because this leads directly into Superman the animated series. Um, they did not give Wonder Woman an animated series for some reason because hmm. people are cowards. Um, <laughs> we also got a Justice League cartoon, Batman Beyond. Uh, Static Shock was kind of at the tail end. Um, but all that stuff ties in together really well and was really good. To the point where DC seems to continually try to mine the nostalgia for the animated stuff and has not released much of quality in the animation realm. Um, comparatively, like, Young Justice is really good. Um, yeah, young, I I have not checked out the third season yet. I've uh, uh, heard it's more adult. That, those first two seasons are so... Good. Yeah, it was really good, and uh, it, thankfully it starts with a new continuity. Um, it's a whole new setup with them, but it's it's real nice. There's the Teen Titans cartoon, which is not connected to this continuity, uh, which was good. But most of what I've seen from the like direct to DVD animated films have not been super great. They seem to be like working out plot ideas that could eventually become live action films someday. <laughs> But none of it's really polished enough. Yeah, like how even how we got like the Suicide Squad Assault on Arkham first, mm. and then you got the Suicide Squad movie. It's like it's all kind of skeevy. Yeah, to me, you know. Well, and then the animation is just like unbearable. Yeah, the animation's not great. Although I don't know, I, I'm not a great judge of that. But I've only seen a handful. Like most of what I've seen, um, the one I hinted at earlier. I guess I'll just say it. There's an adaptation of The Killing Joke which is just, like, it's shockingly bad. <laughs> and it was one people have been waiting for forever. Um, just basically just to hear Mark Hamill as uh, the Joker do the lines from the comic. That's the main reason I wanted it. And uh, they gave him, like, bad direction, too. <laughs> oh. Well, here he has good direction. And he had great direction in the, the animated series itself, um, which has an amazing cast. <laughs> Of voice talents working behind their characters, including uh, Paul Williams as the Penguin. 
Andre Romano is the one who kind of casts these shows, and she casts them perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at LA Comic Con the year before. I don't know, one or two years ago, and I was I was watching a lot of those uh, the DC animated voice actors talk, and they Andrea Romano was there, and they all just like they did nothing but keep praising her because you know Beast Boy. The, the version of Beast Boy that everyone, like, knows and, and for the most part loves from the Teen Titan cartoon you brought up, like, he, he didn't have a shot in hell of getting cast in that show, but she vouched for him, and, like, he basically uh, has said that he owes his career and his, like, livelihood to her, and he'll, like, everyone just loves her so yeah. much, and uh, she recently retired, and so mad respect to her, because we wouldn't have all these, like, really uh, talented voice actors working on all these really great animated properties. Sad she's retiring, but I mean, I guess she need, everyone needs a break eventually. Yeah. Um, but uh, here we have, uh, in this film, um, for the voices, we have uh, Kevin Conroy as Batman. I don't know where, where did he come from? I, I think he did do soap yeah, operas. Yeah, and I mean... He looks like a soap opera actor. He does a little bit. He's the voice that I usually hear when I read the Batman comics. Like, that's how instilled in my brain the animated series is um, so i'm definitely going to give some points to this just based on pure nostalgia like you know i might lift it up higher than maybe it really is but i just love it so mm -hmm. much I, I, a lot of people do you know yeah. i mean it's kind of almost for people our age and even a, a little older like by a decade they'll uh it's kind of blasphemous to be like you know it's it's a it's a good movie Maybe it's not in my, like, top, like, Batman films, and then someone will just, like, tweet at you forever and keeps making new accounts to spam you after you block some of them. This might be in my top Batman, but just because it doesn't have exactly great competition. <laughs> it might not be my favorite, but it's, like, in my top five, easily. <laughs> uh, possibly for me. I, I'd have to look back, like when we're done with all of these movies to really like give an assertive ranking if I had mm -hmm. to, but it, it's, it's very it's good. Very, very, it's, it's... very good. And it was a yeah. breath of fresh air in the middle of the Burton films and the Schumacher films. Cause this is the first fucking Batman movie where Batman actually is the narrative thrust of the story. <laughs> yeah. He's the central character and not just like a passive protagonist reacting. And to it's things. really good. It's a really good arc for him. Like, I mean, it's pretty simple for what it is because Batman's not a super complicated character. <laughs> How dare oh, you? Sorry, people. Um, just add some boos and like tomato sounds in the background. Yeah. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> but he's not. He just isn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, here they found a good way to tie in uh, – an actual arc with him. And that's where the animated series really works. Cause some episodes could be about Batman and some could be about his villains. And since everything's only like 30 minutes long, like you don't have to worry about carrying like an entire film. <laughs> Cause usually there's not a story that they did that was worth doing like a 90 minute story on, you know? Um, yeah. I just, you know, uh, I mean this, this film is, is like what? Like, not even it's, 80 it's minutes. Not even, it's like yeah. 76 minutes long. It's, it's, it's like an hour 15. Yeah. So to to the film's credit, Master of the Phantasm's credit, it doesn't feel like some of those movie adaptations that are just uh, like three episodes stitched together. It's very much like 
one whole circular narrative, but it's also less than ninety minutes long. Yes. So, but that's not that's not always the not, bad. Not thing. a dig, just like something I, I noticed. I just rewatched the uh, the general with but with Buster Keaton. That's like an hour twenty. <laughs> but on top of this, we have fucking fucking Abe Vigoda's in this goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they got him. I mean, never Abe Vigoda did Good Burger, but. <laughs> uh, but it's just interesting to hear Stacy Keach is the voice of uh, the Phantasm the original villain of this film which is something I also like I like that he's not fighting one of his like famous rogues gallery villains that the Joker does show up in this but he's kind of a secondary character yeah he, he's not important until the very until end, the very end. Or at least you find out he's, his importance by the very end but yeah, uh, that's also something I want to credit the animated series for. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it created Harley Quinn, uh, the Phantasm. It I, I really miss uh, adding and creating new like super characters. Yeah, on uh, in in different mediums. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think Arrow and Supergirl have done it once in a while, and that's generally actually worked out on occasion. <laughs> it's actually kind of amazing because those shows have. Um, Let's just call them pitfalls once in a while. <laughs> uh, I, I like them, but you know, there's only so much I can take. And I, I wish the, the like the Marvel stuff did it, you know, or like even the DC movies now, mm-hmm. like because Aquaman again, we talked about it a couple times already on these episodes, but that movie is just fucking crazy. And you could do like anything now. It really feels like the doors opened on that side of of the genre in a big way to me. Can they do it? They can do anything. Will they do anything? Probably not. That's then tends to be Hollywood. Part of it is that it's hard for people to get the royalties that they want um, if they create a character. Sometimes just like under contract, sometimes you don't get as many royalties as you would um, if you created it through a different medium. So people are reluctant and they just kind of retread the same villains. Um, that's why I think uh, when they when they redid when they did the new Fifty Two, it was cool that they the first Batman story was a completely original set of villains. Uh, with the Court of Owls, which is which, like instantly became iconic, mm-hmm. and uh, those you could do in a movie. But it's, like again, a, a big part of it is that the marketing machine has to go. Here's Batman, and here's who he's going to be fighting, because we got to put him on posters. And if it was like Batman versus villain we've never heard of, <laughs> it, you know, it just wouldn't. The marketing people would be a little nervous. Because uh, you can anchor like, oh, Jack Nicholson's the Joker, or Heath Ledger's the Joker, or Danny DeVito's the Penguin, or Mark Hamill's the Joker. <laughs> There's a lot of Joker talk. Yeah, um, that's the other thing is that they just keep redoing the fucking Joker again. And we'll we'll definitely keep getting into that because it keeps fucking popping up. But I mean, there's it, the reason is because he, he's like maybe the ultimate comic book villain. I don't know if he's even like my favorite, but like. You just know him, like, right away by this point, and I I, I get it, but it's a mistake. I want him still. to take a backseat to these stories. I want, like, a, I want a Batman movie where the Joker, like, is, like, a villain that gets foiled in the first five minutes, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I would much prefer that to, holy shit, the Joker will be on this fucking show five times <laughs> by the end of it. <laughs> which, which, yeah, that's, that speaks to your, your, uh, your note right there. Yeah. Um, uh, that might be a problem. That's a problem, and I'm and we now we have a Joker standalone movie on the way. Are we going to talk about that? I mean, <laughs> Batman's not in it. 
Yeah, so we might have, we might have dodged the bullet we there. Might, I mean, who knows? Because it could be. It's it's one of those things where it's like all the pieces of it are so weird that it could accidentally be very good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm not. A, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in that director. Uh, neither neither do but I. We'll see. It's I do like Joaquin Phoenix is going to be the Joker. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that. And you know what? Fucking God bless him because he's not treating this role like it's. Like the Holy Grail, oh, yeah. he's just like you know. I thought it was an interesting role. Yeah, <laughs> like thank you, <laughs> thank you. Like he's not. It's just nice to treat it like like anything else in life. Yeah, it's not like you've been cast as fucking King Lear. <laughs> it's the fucking joke. <laughs> but it kind of started becoming that way. But again, that's all marketing. It's all marketing glitz. Because mm-hmm. again, the Joker's a really good villain, and he's kind of like the the textbook example of what a good villain is. But we we're done. We don't need that. And we need these villains to start taking a fucking backseat to an actual Batman story. Because that's what they fucking did it in 93. It's fucking great. Like, I, it sounds like I'm softballing it a be- at the beginning a little bit there, but I really do like this movie a lot. No, it's real good. And, um, and uh, there's this great story of, like, two people that are, are deeply, like, in love with one another, and they can't be together, and it's really be- their own faults, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, in a way, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> it's just them being unable to give up what, like, things that essentially destroy their lives, yes. you know? And fucking talk about a downer ending. Oh, God, yeah. Which, uh, um, uh, so, yeah, it's good, good shit, but we'll it's get a, there. It's we'll a downer there. ending if you're not a sad teenager boy. <laughs> Yeah. Where you're like, I am the knight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why, like, I, I don't want to hop around too much, so I apologize for this, but, like, like Bruce Tim clearly had a good track record for a while, and it's, like, not there anymore. And given, like, what his stories have revolved around in the later, more recent years, it kind of feels like, oh, wow, he was really restrained by stuff back then, because everything... That that felt like it had like some some real like thematic weight to it or character weight to it previously and it was like conflicting and uh, and stuff that doesn't like make light of of uh, Batman characters in particular or or make them seem like edgy to be cool and like like now he's just falling back on like that, that shock value type yeah. stuff but it's kind of the same material where it's like isn't that like it's weird. It, it puts his, his previous work in a different light for me, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Well, it helps that, I mean, the problem is he had a lot of collaborators back in the day that some <laughs> aren't working on um, his new stuff. We should mention that this movie has like four writers. Alan Burnett. All these people wrote for the TV show. Alan Burnett wrote, uh, I believe he wrote the Two-Face episode, um, or at least half of that. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote Riddler's Reform, which is one of uh, which is an episode I really like. Uh, where the Riddler tries to go straight, but then he can't get over the fact that Batman is still around. <laughs> There's uh, Martin Pascal, um, who wrote the episode See No Evil, which is a really depressing episode. <laughs> Michael Reeves, who wrote uh, Perchance to Dream, which is a really good one. And kind of very similarly to this uh, movie, uh, you know the twist like two minutes in, but it's a very good <laughs> ride. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's meant for kids. If you're a kid, you might not get the, t- the twist. Um, I sure as shit didn't. Uh, <laughs> might might say a lot about uh, gender biases in young children. <laughs> and then the fourth writer is uh, the great Paul Dini, 
who wrote the bulk of, at least had his hand in the bulk of the uh, Batman the Animated Series. He wrote Heart of Ice, which completely reinvented Mr. Freeze. Um, Joker's Favor, which introduced uh, Harlequin, um, who became a very popular character to a point that I don't totally understand. Uh, Mad as a Hatter, which is a really, like, just unnerving episode, in my opinion. He adapted Laughing Fish, which is one of the... It's based on a comic, but that I gotta bring that episode up because it fucking terrified me as a child. <laughs> and an episode that you could only have done on the animated series, and I think that's what makes it valuable, is that a lot of the stories they did you could only do in the animated series, which is uh, Baby Doll. Do you know that one? That's the one with the little girl, right? That's maybe not? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, uh, the one with the the little girl who may or may not be a little girl. Like that one horror movie that no one remembers. But Baby Doll is like a great episode of the cartoon, but it's, again, if you tried to do it in live action, it would be comical. But it works perfectly for the tone of the animated series. Unless you got the director of Redacted to do no, it. No, even then it wouldn't work. <laughs> I just really like that movie. That's like a perfect midnight movie. Yeah, it is, it's a really underrated uh, horror film. Um, produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, that that's a hint. That's the only hint yeah. that will make it into the episode. And Roger Reaver gave it a positive review somehow. <laughs> but I guess we should get into the plot of this film. Yeah. So hopping between uh, the past and the present, we go from Bruce Wayne's uh, comeuppance to Batman, a little bit of his previous romantic interests, and how his past surprise is influencing the present as a new adversary in Gotham is executing mob bosses. And there's all a connection between them because it's... A... And framing the Batman inadvertently. Yeah, and there's there's a great uh, police chase sequence there that I had completely forgotten about until I rewatched it. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a really exciting action scene for an animated film, especially from this era. Because, I mean, as much as I love this series, the animation hasn't aged perfectly, but this movie's aged pretty well. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to talk about that then before we get into the rest of the plot. Okay. The animation. Yeah. It's a little like stocky almost. It's a little rigid, but, but like in terms of the actual like production of like Gotham and the skies and the characters and the way it uses like the light and shadows in a, in a Tim Burton kind of way, but still doing like its own thing. I was really impressed. Like I, I've always liked this show, but like, damn. <laughs> This I think what, impressive stuff. what made this series, like, kind of end up on the pedestal that it's on is that it really took, like, I don't know, it took, like, 15 years before other series started doing what this series was, in Western animation, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't really a lot like this for a long time. And then there was that weird stretch in the early 2000s where there was, like, a brief boom of superhero stuff, like, post 9-11, and then they got rid of it, like, really quick. Because like a yeah, bunch of executives, a bunch of executives decided that no one wants to watch superheroes anymore. Yeah, those people are all fired now. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like there was that there's that mentality. I actually heard an interview with Bruce Tim where he talked about when they came up with Batman Beyond, um, that they were originally developing a series set in the future that the the people were like, look, we want to do Batman again, but we want it to be more like Pokemon, and. <laughs> So he want like a cast of kids so kids can relate to it. Um so Bruce Tim like developed like this whole series set in the future with like young kids kind of picking up the mantle of Batman. 
And then the executives were like, how about they're all competing to be Batman? <laughs> and then Bruce Timm was like, fuck that. And then he took it to another network and they, it became Batman Beyond. <laughs> no. <laughs> so hey, he made the right choice there. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, Batman Beyond was not based on a comic either, you know? Yeah, an entirely original series that was pretty successful and still holds a very, like, prominent place in, like, pop culture hearts. It's, it's one of my favorite animated series. It's too weird not to be. Yeah, to the point where every couple years you get uh, rumors that they're going to do a Batman Beyond movie, but that's never going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, no. I. You would need to, like, successfully run not just a cinematic, like, empire of comic book movies and the DC stuff, because no one's going to want to just jump right into that, into Batman Beyond, you know? Everyone's always going to be like, well, you got to start with Bruce Wayne and get to there eventually. Yeah. And that's just... Don't do not do that. It's not going to work. I'm on the opposite. You have to you have to stop trying this cinematic universe shit. I'm actually... I think I'm actually at that point now, too. Um, I, I don't care about how anything ties into anything anymore. If it's good and, like, it's this continuity is out of whack with, like, five other movies, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Marvel did all right. Um, but I'm done with it. <laughs> and it works much better in television, which is why I think the current DC live-action shows have been able to tie in together well, even though, like, they have to come up with ridiculous reasons for them all to meet. And it's I also think why this continuity that started with Batman, the animated series, lasted so long. It was just easier it's easier to build a connected continuity in television than it is in film. And I'd rather see like one Batman movie, one Superman movie, one Wonder Woman film dropped like every five years that tell a completely original story that doesn't feel be holding to past continuity. I think we're past doing the like these epic trilogies with these characters, you know? Maybe Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman's never really had her fair due. But, uh, yeah, like, at least with Batman and Superman, just try, a, like, more standalone things. To all the DC executives listening. <laughs> <laughs> in, in that sense, I'm actually of two minds. I, I'm mostly with that. But if someone has, like, a really great idea for something that could be a standalone movie, but also fits it, like successful if it's a hit we can be like oh we can kind of do our the next version of the dark knight trilogy but like let's say without batman like i i am i am good without another like grandstanding batman trilogy you know yeah i <laughs> would like, say it, with, do it with a different character like just not but like do it like blue beetle you could probably get a trilogy out of oh fuck yeah uh, it'd be interesting to I'm Reyes, blue beetle. Though. i'm Reyes. yeah but it'd be cool if you could do like all three of them like jaime's like the 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 central character, but you can tie in all the different blue beetles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, now Jaime's great. Um, he's kind of the, he's kind of the DC answer to Spider-Man. It only took him fucking 40 years. <laughs> 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 um, but for some reason, fuck it. His comic never sells. I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't. And they framed an entire season of young justice around the character. Yeah. And like it, I mean, that, that's not why it got canceled, but the, everyone was, like, upset after yeah. that. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what it is. He's a great character. Um, I would honestly say that Jaime Reyes' Blue Beetle might be one of the best newer comic book characters in the past, like, 20 years. Like, I yeah, love that character. Yeah. Um, the setup is just really great. Um, But for some reason, he can't, 
And props to DC for always, like, giving the character a shot. <laughs> like, he comes back every couple of years and then gets canceled after two, but... <laughs> maybe give Static Shock a boost. Oh, yeah. Then that got canceled, too. And yeah. It's, it's bizarre. I think... A while ago, you mentioned that comics might be an outdated, like, like art form or entertainment mm-hmm. form. I, you know what? No, I want to say it's not that the art form is outdated. It's just the way we consume it is outdated. <laughs> um, There's got to be some middle ground to getting it out there, you know? Cause... I think these new – the idea of, like, subscription models to, like, you know, um, like Marvel Unlimited, I think that's a better future where you just get access to the entire archive if you're paying – a certain amount, you know, a year. Yeah, I had that for about like a year and a half, and then after that, I, I tapped out of comics like completely, mm-hmm. and that was great because I just went like back and forth, and I was like, oh my god, I never actually read a Fantastic Four comic. The new yeah. stuff was bad at the time, but then I was like, well, let's look at all this shit, you know? Yeah, I I had it until I just I didn't have fucking time to read comics anymore. It was cool to jump around. I basically read like most of the Spider Man stuff. Which I had never been able to do before. Um, and it's just like, wow. Like, you know, Spider-Man's got, like, a really consistent, like, quality for a couple of, for a couple of decades, actually. Um, and then it drops off hard in the 90s. <laughs> That's the thing. A lot of this stuff, it just... That was the weird thing rewatching this. Like, I really liked this movie, but it did kind of, re- like... It reminded me of a time that just doesn't exist anymore. And I, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I think it's good that we're moving on. Um, that we can now try new things. Again, there's too much dominance in fan culture where it's like, no, this is the perfect thing. And it was never better than this. And that's why everything should be defined as compared to this. And that never ends well. (laughs) I have to give a shout out to my friend Andrew Boyd Allen, uh, a filmmaker and one of my favorite people to talk to about anything with. And we'll butt heads on like basically every movie, television, book opinion ever. Mm-hmm. But I, I love his like sheer apathy to fan culture because it's just like <laughs> he just doesn't he doesn't care because it's his statement. I think he tweeted out like a while ago uh, that consensus is boring. You know, mm-hmm. art's not about consensus. It's just it's about discussions and like what it what it makes you feel. You know? Yeah. And you know, sometimes it makes you feel angry and upset that you spent time with it, but you know, it made you feel something. Yeah. You know? But so much like so much about fan culture these days is about winning. Like <laughs> it's like you have the winning movie or the winning thing or the winning this or the winning opinion. And I'm desperately trying to move away from that because I know I tapped into that a little bit, like even like just a year ago. I was still kinda like had my foot in that, like unintentionally, but it's something I just don't like anymore. I just I, I hold my opinions as my own and understand that I live in a world with diverse opinions. You know what we call that? what growth yes <laughs> but i just i i you know fan cult fan culture's in a weird place right now i think yeah. we're gonna get better it's just gonna get a lot worse first i think we gotta burn off the fat <laughs> like we just gotta hope the problem is we have these studios that like are they feel like they're beholden to these fan noises sometimes and i kind of i'm it's weird like i totally 180 from where i was like a decade ago like walking out of the dark night being like man that's what happens when they listen to the fans and they take batman seriously 
And now I'm like, hey guys, you did pretty well for about a decade not listening to the fans at all. <laughs> like, go back to that a little bit. Because <laughs> we clearly don't know what we want. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, I'm... Um, like, I'm a fan of things, so I kind of tap into, like, fan culture a little bit. I enjoy, like, the celebration of stuff, but I'm so tapped out of, like, the constant discussion of things. <laughs> like, even Star Wars, like, as much as I babble about it, I don't... I've had to, like, cut myself off from, like, every fan cast about it, at, like, anywhere. <laughs> uh, mostly because it's the same fucking five points made over and over again. And if you talk about something that much, like you got you got to mix up what you talk about, you know. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm glad like when I first started doing these and relatively seriously, at least more consistently, these podcasts, I'm glad it wasn't just about one thing. I'm glad I left it open for myself because you know, as much fun as I have doing these long form retrospectives, it's like, fuck, imagine if I just made a Halloween podcast <laughs> and God forbid it was like a successful source of like income. Yeah. And then I had to keep doing it? Oh, my God. Uh, I do want to, uh, on that note, this Star Wars thing, I want to give a shout-out to Steel Saunders, who I don't always listen to his podcast, but he's been on the show before. And he does a good job of, of highlighting unique voices uh, in the Star Wars community and, yes. and shutting shit down when it's uh, unhealthy. So I got to give props for that. And shout-out to the uh, Blue Bantha Milk podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Hi, Sean Fallon. Which I've been enjoying. Um, that which is like the opposite. Like I just totally shot down the idea of doing a podcast centered around one property, but those are two good examples. Because <laughs> yeah. the they point is, healthy... they can work, but it's far and few between. Yeah, and they also like those. The hosts of those shows tend to have very healthy perspectives. Um, they also seem to be interested in more than just Star Wars, which always helps. Well, Sean lives in Australia. And he always provides a also unique perspective. Yes. Australia. That great America on the other side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think he's from the UK, so. Oh. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean, if you're listening, where are you from? And let me know when I can go crash on your guys' couch in Australia. Because you still owe me for in and out that one time. Once your government okay. stops imploding, please invite us. <laughs> so Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm has nothing to do with Australian politics. Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. We should mention that the opening scene, which we are still on... <laughs> Um, features Dick Miller. <laughs> did you did you hear that voice? No. It was Dick Miller. Was uh, Chucky Saul? Aww. Um, hey, no, it's great. Shout out to Dick Miller. Everyone loves him. No, no, no. It is great. I, I love Dick Miller. I, I'm I'm just bummed he's no longer with us. Yes, it's it's sad. Um, but it was it's it's always great to see him, and it's also great to hear him. Apparently. <laughs> um. He's the first uh, victim nice. of the Phantasm. That is less nice. <laughs> he dies in like half the movies he's in. Yeah. He's, yeah but here's he the thing. Everyone loves... And then comes back in Gremlins <laughs> too. I was about to bring that up. 
<laughs> That's how much everyone cab. loves him. <laughs> uh, thanks, Oscars, for ignoring him. Yeah, fuckers. Fuck the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, we're a day after. We're recording that this a day after the Oscars. Yeah, so th- we're still pretty heated. Yeah. And I didn't even watch them. I just caught the clips on Twitter. All right, how do we tie Green Book in the Batman? <laughs> Much like the Joker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is just not interesting enough. Yeah, no, it's just like, it's, it really is driving Miss Daisy for like the 2010s. What if it's Viggo Mortensen? It's like, hey, Batman. <laughs> oh, God. Viggo Mortensen, like post Lord of the Rings, or even now, if he didn't like say the N-word, would have been like a great black mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Viggo Mortensen until about six months ago. <laughs> Was Wait, one no, of, like, maybe maybe he shouldn't be a character called Black Mask. Then. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen in the past six months destroyed any goodwill he <laughs> Which is kind of incredible when you think about it. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's he's doing Eastern Promises sequel with uh with David Cronenberg. Oh uh, Cronenberg's doing it? Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um I don't know if that's a movie we need right now. <laughs> I, I don't think so either. Um, hey, at least Cronenberg's doing something. Yeah. yeah. But as we all know, the Batman, it all started with Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's, let's actually, let's wind it back a little. Let's, let's wind go. it back. Uh, the plot. I think the thing is, the thing is, the plot of this movie is very simple. And you know the twist five minutes into the movie. Um, <laughs> but it's a very enjoyable ride. That's why we're kind of talking about everything else. Yeah. Um, I will say I got a flashback. I sent you a text message, but <laughs> you're apparently not getting texts today. I'm not getting texts unless they're on iMessage, and I don't know why that is. I, I don't either, but <laughs> yeah. um, there's a moment in this that made me think of so Because a lot of this movie is told in flashbacks. We actually... They retell kind of year one Batman, which is Batman learning it, learning how to do it. And the decisions that decided if Batman could go in one direction or the other. A happy life or being the Batman. And he's staring at one of the first flashbacks kicks in when he's staring at a portrait of his family, his uh, parents. And just made me realize that. The Batman has to think about his entire life before he can go out <laughs> fighting crime. <laughs> oh my god. This is this is Batman's biopic. Yes. <laughs> Batman the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> Which is also, I should say, because um, we talked about musical biopics last time, I think, even though it's too late because they've already filmed it, <laughs> the best way to do a Joker movie would be to have multiple Jokers. Different actors playing the Joker. No, okay, that was my take on that. Mm. Uh, oh, okay, not 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 just for one movie, but every appearance of the Joker in like the same continuity. Like, like let's yeah. say the DC movies had like actually taken off right after BVS, mm. and then the Joker would be like a recurring villain in Batman and like maybe some other movies. Right, he gets mm. one grandstanding movie, but a recurring villain. But every time he's got to be someone different. So that way you get rid of Jared Leto. <laughs> but you also you also get to shift like 
the narrative around the Joker because that that character's basically evolved more than like any other comic book character in in DC and Marvel. You know, I think maybe the, Joker, maybe the most. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say evolved, but he just has the mo- the many faces. There's different. There's many different versions of the Joker. Um, but I would like to see. I would just like to see. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty good. Although I wouldn't mind if they started doing that with like every film had a different Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that might happen. Like given I, I would the way honestly that would, movie's working out. I would honestly do that at this point. Man, if the Irishman works with the de aging shit, you know it would be it would be perfect to retell. Maybe not this story, but take elements of it. Bring Michael Keaton back as old Batman, and then de age him for flashbacks. I'm like surprised no one's like brought that up like no one in serious talks because that's like a big fan thing where you know i'll do a batman beyond movie but have michael keaton as batman and bruce wayne and it's like yeah like there's a big 80s nostalgia pull we're gonna see the 90s start blowing up again really soon so like how has that not been like an attempted selling point that's weird especially after star wars kind of was big off of bringing all the actors back yeah to the point where now we're getting another Ghostbusters movie that will attempt to do that after the other one didn't. Um, and no one gives a shit. But they're going to give it back to the fans. We're going to give it back to the fans who are yeah, just fucking idiots. I mean, now I'm mad. I made myself mad. I apologize. Hey, and I, I'll be honest, just to give a little um, olive branch to fans who don't deserve it. <laughs> I also didn't like the new Ghostbusters movie, but I also didn't send death threats to people over it. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it's got issues. Um, up, I would like never sit and watch it again. But <laughs> uh, again, people have different takes. And hey, I love that cast. I wish they had had a better script. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's it's kind of like Ocean's Eight, where mm-hmm. it's like, God, this cast is so good. Why did you hire the this least person to make people. this movie? Um, <laughs> Why did you e- either hire the least talented people in Hollywood or completely shackle actual talented people? Because <laughs> uh, the guy who did the new Ghostbusters is actually a good director. <laughs> like, he's actually okay. Yeah, I, I really love Spy, actually. I, I think that's like a legitimately great action comedy. The, the but... Heat uh, has a moment in it that I was like, I almost had like an attack. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> When they threw the fucking, like, trach to that guy. (laughs) Like, it just kept going. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, Have him do a Batman movie and have everyone get pissed off. Oh, hell yeah. Now we're fucking talking. He could maybe do a Harley Quinn movie. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm looking forward to the next, like... Harley Quinn appearance because I've heard that uh, that that director's previous film Dead Pigs is like really good, but it's also from a festival crowd, so you kind of got to like temper expectations. And every year, like every film at Sundance is the best movie ever. Then oh, you yeah. watch and you're like, it's fine, you know, like, it's good. Some of them are good, but you know, they're usually all very fine. But when they get hyped up that much, there's then a huge backlash. Yeah. What was the one a couple years ago where like everyone really turned on it after? Uh... After Sundance, uh, I don't. I, there's usually like a couple every year. I, I don't know. Uh, oh, last you know, years. you know what? It wasn't even that. It was, it was a mixture of it not being very good, and also the director got accused of fucking a rape. I think. Oh no! Yeah, it was that birth um, of a nation. 
Yep, that uh, one. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to, like, cut the shit out of, like, this episode. No, this is fine. We're not at an hour yet, so I'll just fucking leave <laughs> it. No. Uh, I, I, okay, I don't so you think you understand how much our, our fans like useless babble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you mentioned that the plot is kind of, you know, like, it's, it's solid. The story mm. itself is told in, in solid fashion. It's really, like, like the, uh, the characters that really sing and the art design and stuff like that. I really I love also gotta... the recurring element of the World's Fair, um, where we see, like, the, the great future promised and then we see the actual future everyone got yeah and it's reflected oh in... my god that's the shit right there yeah, i think that's... it was on batman returns where i talked about how i love like when movies like this subvert like that little happy go lucky type imagery and like uh like, like set design but like make it really like like distorted and ugly hmm. and so this is like my shit right here that that finale is 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 a perfect blend of production character theme i was just like that's cloud nine a plus five stars whatever yeah. bullshit rating you gotta apply to a film that's it right here it's the best yeah uh, it made me very happy it's just I, I it was honestly it's it does a fairly good job at like a very obvious point which is that batman makes himself miserable yes <laughs> thank you um <laughs> Batman thinks he can't have a happy life, and it's destroying him. But both both the central characters end up believing that, and we see what that's going to lead to. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you mentioned that it's both central characters, because this really is also uh, the character Andrea Beaumont's story yeah. as much as it is Bruce Wayne's. Yeah. We just kind of, like, they withhold the information for the plot twist, even though you know it's... You know they do a, they do an interesting head fake where Stacy Keach voices the Phantasm and her father, um, which uh, can you know throw you off a little bit. But yeah, know. I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't know when I when I first saw it when I was young because I saw it on VHS. I, I didn't see it in the theater, obviously, mm. uh, and I was just like I, I didn't get it because I, I couldn't understand that. No, 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 uh, th that was a man's voice. <laughs> <laughs> my brain just couldn't put the two together. <laughs> so it's like, hang out. Oh, no, um, we must have gotten a bad tape. Like, they cut out the middle part of the movie or something. And I just, I couldn't get it <laughs> for whatever reason. I think it's a, it's, it really is a twist that I think kind of needs to go away where it's like, oh, it's actually a woman. Can you believe a woman did all this? Which like... leads me into a, a big point I wanted to bring up. And maybe the Batman and his uh, his series of films relationship with women. Yes. Are, uh, at least, I see it now. <laughs> at least here we get a woman who's as complicated as he is. Yeah, know? she's allowed to have her own, uh, her own agency and failures as much as Bruce Wayne. It This plays better. You uh, know, we should mention that their first meet-cute is in a cemetery at their parents' graves. <laughs> Romantic. Which is exactly how you want to meet someone in life. Yep. Like, only both those characters would think that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it great. Like, again, it's very obvious, but I, it's just, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, obviously I'm a big Michael Mann fan. His whole thing is, like, duality and characters that would only be able to understand each other. 
Mm. I can imagine even him watching this and being like, that's a little on the nose. That's a little much. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the guy you literally had, like, you know, Al Pacino and De Niro's face, like, overlap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a bit much. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's a really enjoyable ride for what it is. But, again, you have to kind of keep the idea that it is, it is meant for children at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also, like, super fucking dark and involves oh, yeah. murder. Like yeah, a there's lot a of lot murder. of murder in this, which they couldn't do on the animated series. The animated series, like, they always did a good one with the... Because the Joker gas would give people the fucking terrifying rictus grin. Oh, uh, um, yeah. But every time they on the animated series, would be like, get this person to a hospital. But then you would just never hear about him again. <laughs> and that was their way around, like, not saying whether or not the person died. There's another Batman story that... That we're going to talk about on this show that kind of teeters in the same area and then immediately flips that on its head. Yes. <laughs> Which is really great. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, I did we, did we already credit Mark Hamill enough uh, in this already? I, I mentioned it, but we didn't, we didn't like, go into yeah. him. Yeah. Um, um, I, I guess because we'll, we'll be talking about him at least one other time. What age did you find out he was the Joker on the animated series? Oh god, I didn't find out till like high school. Same. Like, <laughs> like maybe my senior or junior year. That fucking like, blew it, my fucking mind. I couldn't believe it. I had to Google it. And it just Yeah. That 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 man is so crazy talented. Like it's such a bummer that Last Jedi got such like a, a negative fan yeah. backlash because he's so good in that movie he's... too. And I think given the whirlwind of success he's had in like really specific acting circumstances in the Joker and as Luke Skywalker that he's really proved himself as not just like a great like movie star icon but like as a really great actor and he should be getting like great roles to play in yeah. all kinds of stories now but it's just not really like the conversation out that way. around the last jedi should have been mark hamill deserves an oscar nomination for supporting actor Oh, God. He fucking a la, robbed. A la, you know, when they gave it to Ian McKellen when he played Gandalf. Yeah, and, yeah. But instead, because fans are terrible, it was about Mark Hamill secretly hates the movie. And here's Mark Hamill being Mark Hamill in interviews, and that's proof that he hates the movie. Yeah. But also... Who cares what he thinks? He gave a great performance. <laughs> Fucking Burt Reynolds hated Boogie Nights, and he was great in that. Just such a waste. <laughs> um, but here he's an amazing Joker, and like you know, again, it's 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 purely nostalgia, probably. But all the ways, all the characters as defined by the animated series are how they exist in my brain. So it's Mark Hamill's voice I hear out of the Joker everywhere. I I like to think that I generally don't give in to nostalgia now. Like I, I'm really like. Trying to distance any kind of like uh, like like self interest, I guess, in that. Like, there's always stuff that's gonna like tug at me a little more, like Jurassic Park or like the first Spy Kids, <laughs> the first two Spy Kids actually for yeah. a lot of reasons. Um, hey, fucking but, but, Stallone is in Spy Kids three, <laughs> playing multiple roles. Hey, Spy Kids three is less good, but it's, it's kind it's of amazing, good, anyways. But it has moments. <laughs> but no, no, I guess the point I'm making is that like generally, I feel pretty good about being like you know I have a soft spot, but I could tell when something's just not really for me anymore or like you know i i have a, a confident sense of like like measuring a quality or something like that on my own end and i think it's safe to say that a lot of of people really are drawn to these versions of the characters 
to the point that along with like the the Nolan trilogy that people get very defensive yeah when uh when this isn't like seen as the ultimate peak of of um this character's or these characters interpretation and i i think that's a bad thing but i also i get it more than a lot of other um like interpretations to die on you know i just i just think that you got the healthy attitude you got to start having is that like recognize what works for you like and that it was probably nostalgia um like i can't just like no matter what if you throw an episode of the batman animated series on i'm gonna love it just because of who i am but i also have to like not like gatekeep i can't be like no this is what you got to go through to love batman like i don't care how you get the batman if just if you got to it (laughs) yeah like like have whatever interpretation you want, and they're all they all bring something to it. Even bad interpretations have something to them, even if they just show you maybe what not to do. Which we will get to. Oh, oh will boy. we get to them? Yeah, we got a we got a one two punch coming up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mask of the Phantasm, really good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much else you want to talk about. Yeah, it. I don't know. We don't really. We could go into the plot. We could go into it more. But I mean, just check it out. It's fucking like again. It's an hour fifteen. Um, although unfortunately, Warner Media is starting to wall up all their shit um, mm. because they're getting ready to stream their own things um, because that company is run by terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, you'll have trouble getting access to this stuff. Now, I was able to get it on Vudu, but it's not even on Amazon Prime. Fuck. Um, yeah. Uh, and the animated, and the Batman animated series like just went off anim- Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, but thankfully, I own that. that. Um, but yeah, check it out if you can. It's really, really good. Um, uh, they had two more official theatrical releases. Or no, uh, not theatrical. But they had two more Batman movies, right? Like tied to the animated series. That um. Yes. Well, didn't I get mean, theatrical releases. Yeah, there was a uh, Mr. Freeze Sub Zero, which was the tie-in with Batman and Robin, and ended up being a better film. <laughs> and then there was Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, which I think I saw once and I don't really remember. Yeah, I, I don't think I've she, ever seen Mystery of the Batwoman, but I really liked Sub Zero. I think mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Sub Zero is really cool because Mr. Freeze is actually. Yeah, it deserves a little more credit. Mr. Freeze needs to get his due one of these days because he's right now he's just a joke in the mainstream consciousness. But uh, he needs his Aquaman moment. Yeah, that's just, that's what he needs. If you just give him like the suit with those red goggles, like you'll make an all right movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, the animated series. Really quick, I just want to say that everything involving Mr. Freeze in the animated series. Is really fantastic. Yes, and I and mean not this, just in this series when it continues. Yeah, this I, I series really like him. Defined the new uh, Mister Freeze, and is why he was so popular enough to be in one of these movies. Because before that, no one gave a shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of this, we get Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mister Freeze, which was a mistake. <laughs> and we got no more. We had no more theatrically released animated films because this ended up bombing at the box office. It was like it was supposed to be direct to video, and then last minute Warner Bros. was like, "Yeah, we'll give you like a couple more million, release it theatrically," and they kind of had to scramble to make it like movie theater quality. <laughs> and then Warner Brothers at that time just like could not release an animated film to save their life. Like they they fucked up this, they fucked up Iron Giant like a couple years later. 
Quest for Camelot, I think, was them, which is just a bad movie, but they also didn't know how to market it. Um, <laughs> and, like, the only, like, animated hit they had was Space Jam, and that's a terrible film. <laughs> I'm baffled that that was the one hit. Because it was Michael, it was also, the Michael Jordan I I thing. Get it. Yeah. I mean, like, Michael Jordan yeah. was, like, a, like, like a real-life superhero at the time. Like... <laughs> Now they're going to do another Space Jam, which I hope it's, like, at least marginally okay. I mean, hey, Coogler's producing it. Yeah. That, that could be something. Or he's just doing it to get another project made. Yeah, maybe. I'll maybe have Martin so. Scorsese on the Joker film. Oh, no, he he's he is not on it anymore. He, oh, okay. He, he left before the official, like, production started. Okay, but does he still have a credit on it at all? I don't think so. No. Okay. I thought he. I thought he like had. I thought it was like a Spielberg thing where Spielberg used to just get executive credit on shit, and they would just uh, give him like a couple million. Yeah, like he'd yeah. produce every Transformers film. Yeah, but he had nothing yeah. to do with any of it. <laughs> to the to the credit of the first one, that one feels the most Spielbergian. But like, yeah. no, like uh, Scorsese is just not even in passing. I don't think involved with the Joker anymore. Okay. Um, hope he got something out of it. Yeah, um, I'm convinced they're just. Remaking uh, the King of Comedy. Oh, that'd be amazing. But with the Joker. Yeah, if they did it in the right hands. Um, well, but, we'll see. Yeah, we will. When does that come out? November. Okay. We'll probably do something on it. I mean, we've kind of put our feet in the Batman world. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it. I'm feeling... I have no, no knowledge of this, but I'm feeling that it's going to have some Batman-like imagery. Apart from the Joker, like I think Batman will will pop up in some capacity, because especially if it's just supposed to be like an Elseworlds type thing, mm-hmm. you know, then I, I I doubt they're just gonna let it truly be a standalone thing. We'll given see. how these people work, I don't know if anyone knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's why I think it won't be that standalone of a thing. The fact that Aquaman was their best film and it feels like an accident says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was mask of the phantasm yeah it's really good it's really good check it out um we didn't actually spoil much of it even though the twist yeah, so is you super could, obvious yeah you could actually go in blind and have a great time which yeah. is rare for these discussions yeah normally we go like really in depth about the plot but we ended up talking about everything else <laughs> <laughs> but it was good this was, i enjoyed talking about it and i enjoyed enjoyed revisiting it yeah yeah me too uh I love the the sky in Gotham in the animated series. Oh, the I wish sky, it was something. Red Sky Gotham's the best. Yeah, I, I wish that was a cue that the live action films took. Uh, one of them certainly does. Did uh, didn't they try to do it like in a weird way in BVS? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just that Larry Fong Zack Snyder look, which is not the problem I have with the movie. Well, I thought they like uh, they just... didn't try to like do unexplained Red Sky. They tried to do like. There's an actual source of the red. Uh, I I don't think so, but I I feel like I remember that because it, it really there's no difference between Metropolis and Gotham. It's in, almost in like those, those mo- that movie just isn't memorable, despite throwing everything at the wall. I will not have any Larry Fong slander. Hey, no, he's good. Get get with the good director, Larry. Larry, <laughs> no, Larry, no, that's the thing. Larry, what are you doing, Larry? No, that's the thing. He finally got with a good director, and then the studio fucked up their project. Oh, uh, what was it? <laughs> the Predator. Oh, God, you're right. Oh, shit. <laughs> he can't uh, catch a break, man. Man, Larry Fong. 
Larry Fong can't catch a break. Oh, you know what? Uh, Kong Skull Island is at least, like, visually interesting from time to time. And that's, like, all him. Because there's yeah, nothing in that. No, like, the only so. good stuff in that movie is him. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you waste Brie Larson. Yeah, what the fuck, man. And, and John Goodman. You know what? At least Samuel L. Jackson gets to call King Kong a motherfucker. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of fun. Sam Jackson. Yeah. Oh, well. Go see Captain Marvel. <laughs> 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 Not to be confused with Captain Marvel in Shazam coming out another month from now. <laughs> he's officially right. Shazam, though, right? Yeah, yeah, That's he's just stupid. Shazam. They're not going to call him Captain Marvel. That's stupid. Comics are stupid for children. Everyone should be ashamed. <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you? Send your angry messages to EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. And I'm also on YouTube, which will have something on it eventually. You could also find me on Twitter.com at D-E-W-G-O Waffles. Check out the Waffle Press on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, etc., the Patreon. Uh, I think I think that's it. You got it. They, they know. Yeah, you know. It's in the description. I, I just copy and paste it every time. I will say, though, I've been glad to see that instead of a couple dozen reviews, we've been, views, we've been getting hundreds of views lately. <laughs> so that's nice. Hey. Baby yeah, steps. yeah. Ba- baby steps indeed. I think it helps that I'm finally uploading like consistently now. Yes. I hope nothing. <laughs> I hope nothing I've said on this show comes back to bite me in a job interview someday. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna cut this part, but <laughs> that someone's gonna pull up the Alien Three clip from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally unprofessional. Bye. Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget.